people visit Germany to see the Brandenburg Gate and the Oktoberfest, to drink beer and eat sausage for breakfast. They come for the techno clubs and the Kuckucklucks. But some of them also come to take advantage of a very special exception. They come to experience the Autobahn. Wait, just before you... Did you drink beer and eat sausage for breakfast at the same time? Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Honestly, that's kind of how I picture Germany. Cool. Up, down, left, right, hit her with a strong attack. Yeah, I smoke the strongest back. Tell me what is wrong with that. No coins in the laundromat. You can't help but honor that. Jam, man, make a man. More games in the single, man. All right, anyway, this is our podcast, Does Not Apply, where we talk about the exceptions to the rule and the stories behind them. With us today, producer Felix Hoffman. Felix, what's the exception? So, you remember that one time when you came over to Germany and I picked you up from the train station? I do. I was very, very tired. I biked a lot. Cool. But I did take you on the Autobahn. So, how did you feel? Um, I- It felt pretty normal. It felt like, you know, like a highway in France or a highway in the U.S. But also there was a lot of traffic and it was like uh, not a very, we weren't on it for very long. No, that's true. Ten minutes. But it would have been a perfect opportunity to scare you to death because actually Germany is the only country in Europe that does not have a general speed limit on its highways. But right now there is a big discussion about whether there should be one. And in this discussion, a lot of things get mixed up. We talk about road safety, the environment, there's talk about freedom and identity. So it turns out to be a surprisingly complex topic. And it's one that really gets people going. Yeah, no, I mean, it's kind of funny because I come from the U.S. and we have a lot of ridiculous rules. Like we have ridiculous laws about guns and like ridiculous laws about a lot of things. But even to me, having no speed limit seems a bit wild. Like, what's the deal with that? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And And, you know, I started to wonder at the very base of this issue, what is it about fast cars and high speed that riles people up so much and even makes them risk their lives and the lives of others as well? And I myself, I'm not a big car guy, so... I met up with one, my good old friend Florian Sanke. And when we were kids and he'd come over to play, I'd always ask my mom to get the box with Hot Wheels from the shelf because I would never play with cars and I only touched them whenever he came over to play. Anyway, now he has a big ass car and he likes driving fast. So you know what happens next, right? Uh, Du gehst schnell. Does that mean you go fast in German? Yeah, we did. So, we take Flo's car, a Yes Marina Blue metallic BMW M3, 2017 six cylinders with bi-turbo charge and a casual 450 horsepower. But that wasn't enough for Flo, so he put in some work and he got it up to 520. His car goes from 100 kilometers per hour to 200 in 6.7 seconds. That's faster than a Lamborghini Huracan. We pull on the Autobahn and I learn what 520 horsepower feels like. Second soundbite, we went from 80 to 200 kilometers per hour. So, in any other European country, there would be a general speed limit. 
The Netherlands, for example, just introduced one at 100 km per hour in early November. In Germany, the Greens proposed a speed limit of 130 in the Bundestag, but it was voted down. And there are different reasons for that. One is cultural. Many Germans see their cars as a symbol of freedom, and a speed limit just feels like it would curtail that freedom somehow. But it's also political. The biggest association in Germany is the ADAC, or General German Automobile Club, and it has over 20 million members. And together with the powerful car industry, they have lobbied hard against the speed limit. They say that only 7% of all accidents where someone gets hurt happen on the highway. And they are pretty successful with that. The German Minister for Transport, Andreas Scheuer, who's also known as Speedy Andy, recently called the speed limit against all common sense. The proponents of a speed limit were not amused. They point to the 409 people who were killed on the Autobahn in 2017, and they argue that's too much, and that in more than every third case, high speed had caused the accident. For Flo, driving is not about the need for speed. It is more about the moment before, the moment of acceleration. dass du einmal den Motorsound hörst, das ganze Auto, wie die Turbolader. It is hearing the sound of the motor, how the turbochargers draw in the air, compress it into the motor, the different sounds in combination with the feeling of being pushed into your seat, the power of it all, and how you can control it. Und das macht einfach süchtig. He says, ja. it is addicting. So we drive through the Odenwald, a forest that starts right by Flo's hometown. It is narrow, winding roads through a beautiful early autumn forest, somewhere you'd normally and legally drive somewhere between 50 and 80 kilometers per hour. But we go 120, cutting curves and using every straight little bit of road to accelerate further. My feet are pressed against the floor and in every bend I'm thrown to the side. It is like riding a roller coaster with the very imminent possibility of death coming around the corner in the form of oncoming traffic. But for Flo, this is actually how he relaxes. He says what draws him into this is just being in the moment. He doesn't think about what he has to do tomorrow or today. He concentrates completely on his driving. It feels like he's becoming one with the car, because he completely immerses himself into it. He just leaves everything behind. And it is all about him, his car, and the road ahead. What I realized while reporting on this topic is that it is far more complex than I had thought. I expected someone like Flo, a car enthusiast and speed-slash-acceleration junkie, to be against the speed limit. But that's not the case. For Flo, high-performance cars like his are weapons. He says, if you think about it, it's kind of insane that anyone can buy them. He actually argues that a speed limit of 130 would be reasonable. According to him, it could relax traffic, it would reduce emissions. On average, it would actually allow people to get faster to where they want to go. And if everyone knew that you can't go faster anyway, people would just be a little more chill. Racing over the Autobahn and 
through that forest and then hearing Flo talk about the speed limit in this unexpected way, it made me even more curious. If speed junkies want speed limits now, what the hell is going on? So I called Thomas Schreck, a traffic psychologist, to find out. So, In Germany, many people go see a traffic psychologist when their license has been suspended and they are ordered to take a medical psychological exam. Mr. Schreck also works in a clinic for people with drug and alcohol addictions. For me personally, the behavior here in Germany is as irrational as the Americans and their gun legislation. I do not understand it. But I think on a general level, it has something to do with our political and economic system, the idea of Germany, the country of cars. So Mr. Schreck actually argues that this narrative of Germany as a haven for high-performance cars and speed is simply not being questioned. And how would the public develop an awareness of this issue if it's not debated as such. On the political level, the speed limit is discussed as if it were connected to losing something, as if something was taken away from us. But you might as well turn it around and associate it with gaining something. And this is the argument that proponents of the speed limit make. More road safety, cleaner air, more relaxed traffic. And that could make quite a difference. In Mr. Schreck's experience, It is stress that makes people go too fast on the highway. I ask him if he sees a parallel to his work with addicts, but Mr. Schreck doesn't think of the need for speed as an addiction. It is a strategy that just does not solve conflicts. It is a false solution. If I'm stressed or angry in my everyday life, driving fast will not help because the problem lies in my everyday life. And speeding is only a temporary outlet. It's like having a beer. That also doesn't solve anything. Quite on the contrary. If you overestimate yourself, or if you happen to be in the way when someone else does, a split second can mean that nothing will ever be the same. Most people in high-speed accidents do not survive. If they don't die on impact, the chances are better. Trauma units manage to get mortality rates down to 11%. But Even if people survive a serious accident, this one moment will weigh on them for the rest of their lives. Many people lose their friends. They isolate themselves. Over 50% never go back to work. But there are also exceptions. Hello. So, hello. Hello, Herr Schneider. Freut mich sehr. Hello. I meet Markus Schneider on a cold, windy November morning. He welcomes me into his home, a 19th century farmhouse in a village in southern Germany that he has restored together with his wife Nadine. We sit down in the dining room. It's warm and cozy. They have a little fireplace in the corner. He wears black square glasses, has salt and pepper curly hair that is neatly styled, and he talks with a slow voice, sometimes stopping to take a deep breath. On June 2nd, 2011, just two weeks after his wedding day, Mr. Schneider got in a car accident. It had rained the day before. In a slight curve, there were ruts in the road and his car began to hydroplane. He was going somewhere between 60 and 100 kilometers per hour in his black Volkswagen Golf 4, the one he had worked on for years. He loved that car. With no way to steer, 
he plowed straight into a little forest on the side of the road. The force of the collision ripped the motor out of the body of the vehicle. It landed almost 100 meters down the road. His car hurled into a second tree where it came to a stop. And then nothing. He tells me about his first memory after the accident. His wife, Nadine, had covered the ceiling of his hospital room with posters from car magazines. The first thing he realized was that his wife Nadine and his mother were with him. Mr. Schneider sustained serious head injuries, a traumatic brain injury, two brain hemorrhages and his eye was dislocated. He lay in a coma for two months, then a persistent vegetative state for another three. The next two years he spent in hospitals and clinics trying to learn all of the things that were obvious before but seemed impossible now. The doctors told his wife that if he'd ever learned to drink on his own again, that would be like winning the lottery. He also had to grapple with a simple yet impossible fact. His life was flipped upside down. He loved working on his car, but it wasn't possible anymore. He also loved working with his hands, but the left side of his body was completely paralyzed. Ever since, it has always been like that, he says. For everything he can't do anymore, he just has to find a new way of doing it. Markus Schneider is 37 years old today. For the first 29 years of his life, he was Markus the car enthusiast, passionate woodchopper, Volkswagen golf tuner. For the last eight years, he had to fight his way back into life. He had to learn how to swallow, sit, drink, eat, speak, see. Today, he loves spending time with his wife, who likes to go out on the river to do stand-up paddling. And that's a challenge for Mr. Schneider. You need body tension to stand on a surfboard. And while he jokingly says that he has the tensest body in the world, he just can't control it. He found a solution though. He simply does stand-up paddling sitting down. But often, this is close to the limit, he says. But you just have to go beyond. After his accident, Mr. Schneider founded an association, Phoenix Algoi. He gives talks at schools and companies by now about 40 times per year. He prides himself on not using PowerPoint and that in over 100 talks, no one has ever gotten out their phone under the table. What he wants to show his audience is that there is no human being without a handicap. He says, the smallest one, you can see here, on us. And it takes me a second to realize that he's talking about my glasses. 
This is true inclusion for him. If everyone just got that simple idea into their heads, there is no perfect human being. It's important to point out that Mr. Schneider's accident was not caused by the lack of a speed limit. Although he doesn't remember the accident or the two weeks before, he probably didn't go too fast. But still, from someone who had to make the experience he had, at least I would assume that they would be open to the idea of a speed limit. But Mr. Schneider has held on to his convictions. He says there is almost nowhere where you can still drive as fast as you want. And he argues there wouldn't be less fatal accident just because of a speed limit. All right, so, so basically the guy who loves race cars actually supports having a speed limit and the guy who survived a terrible accident doesn't. Yeah, exactly. And I think that really shows how complex this debate is. You know, it's a debate about a symbol. For the people on the one side, it's a symbol of freedom, the freedom to go fast, to go wherever you want and to risk your life, to have fun if you decide to do so. And fundamentally, I think it is about passion. It is saying, I enjoy this, so I do not want it taken away from me, which I think is kind of understandable. And for the other side, it is a debate about traffic safety, about the environment and about the common good. And these two sides come from such different points that it's simply hard to understand each other, let alone to agree on a solution. So, I mean, what happens next? Uh, I mean, like, is this German exception going to last? I don't really think so, because public opinion is slowly turning and political pressure is up. But... It truly is at the center of an epic fight about safety, culture, and identity. This was Does Not Apply. My name is Phineas Rucker. This episode was produced by Felix Hoffman. Thanks for being here, Felix. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. So what's the plan for our next episode? So next episode, I'm going to be your producer. I'm taking you to New York City, and we're talking chickens. Awesome. This episode's music was by Jam Man and yeah. Blue Dot Sessions. I love Jam Man. <laughs> you do love Jam Man. It was right. stuck in my head for like a long time. Cool. Bye bye. Up, down, left, right, hit her with a strong attack. Yeah, I smoked the strongest pack. Tell me what is wrong with that. No coins in the laundromat. You can't help but honor that. Jam Man, make a man. More games in the single man.